Hello, this is Allison Law, and you're listening to the What Are You Reading podcast. Hey, I'm Tim Rhodes, and this is Literary Atlanta. <laughs> what you are listening to today is a podcast about two podcasts about books. We're really thrilled to bring our two podcasts together today um, to talk a little bit about what we're reading, mm -hmm. uh, about why we do what we do, and uh, what we enjoy about the community here in Atlanta. So, Allison, yeah. thanks for joining us. No, I'm so pleased to be here and be surrounded and smelling all of the books <laughs> and just kind of taking it all in. This is a really cool space. Well, Allison, why why don't you talk to us about Literary Atlanta? How sure. did that yeah. get going and what's it about for you? Literary Atlanta came about probably in early 2017. I was still talking to some friends of mine. And as a publicist who works with authors and other people in the publishing industry, I'm keenly aware of the fact that the number of media outlets who cover books has really shrunk mm -hmm. over time. But I really feel like the fervor and the word of mouth about books is really just growing and growing. So I wanted to create a place where people could talk about books and I could talk to authors about books. And so th that was just kind of the basic premise. And then I started working with um, a production company in early 2017, kind of trying to flesh out the concept. What are we going to call it? What's it going to be about? And because I am the world's reigning overthinker, <laughs> it took us forever to get to actually, and finally, um, the producer I was working with at the time was like, we just need to record stuff. and put it out there. And so <laughs> so we came up with, it, it was going to be Literary Atlanta, and um, it was going to be a little bit of an intro to me and, you know, how I got into books. And then there was going to be um, an interview with an author. And there are three kind of prerequisites for being on the Literary Atlanta podcast. It has to be someone who either lives here in the metro Atlanta area, who has subject matter ties to Atlanta, or who is visiting here on book tour. And so that pretty much, that's a pretty big open circle yeah. of people because we have so many people, so many events. Yeah. And so that brings us to the end. After the interview, I always do a little bit of a preview of the events that are happening yeah. in Atlanta because one of the goals of that podcast, of the Literary Atlanta podcast, is to get people to go and see yeah. authors and writers in person. Yeah. That's one thing I appreciate of your podcast. Well, I mean, not one of many things, but sure. I love the wrap at the end, the, the last three or five minutes where I think, like you said, the, the outlets for authors for books is going down, but this I, the events are, are still just frequent and all the time. And I think even though I, I love books, I'm in that book world, I've just forget I, I kind of just assume that there isn't that much and so hearing about these just numerous just constant events have been really encouraging and been out to very few I was gonna ask you that's my follow-up like. question <laughs> no. like yeah. when was when was the last time you went to a book event there then, was Tim? unfortunately not many but I, I have been to the Rens Nest a couple of times during um um it's more not a book event more of the storytelling events there in February back yeah. every Saturday it was free storytelling uh, took the kids, um, but it's just good to know about and like I, I feel like that awareness. I I would have never known that before your podcast. I just I don't know why. Even though I'm in that, I'd like to think I'm in that book world, but realizing that there's so much more than I think out there. Mm -hmm. It's really encouraging. Yeah, um, you're also involved in the one of the events we've been to and recorded at is yeah. the uh, Decatur Book 
book fests. Right, so. mm-hmm. right. I have gone to every single Decatur Book Ooh. Festival. And this is the 13th year yeah. since the book festival has been in oh existence. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I have even changed Labor Day, because it happens every Labor Day yeah. weekend, I've even changed vacation plans because I have yeah. to be at the Decatur Book Festival. And then I've had the good fortune of working as a member of the team. And so uh, getting ready, we're about four yeah. or five weeks out from that. It's an incredible wow. production. And they have a great lineup again this year. So now, as part of what I do li- for Literary Atlanta, I'm mm-hmm. starting to talk to the authors who are going to be here for that. That's awesome. So, yeah. how, the, so 13 years, that's a while. Like, how has it evolved and changed? Because I have to assume, like, right now, it's this, I mean, is it the largest in the country, right? One of the largest independent or nonprofit book festivals. Yeah. How has that changed in the 13 years? I mean, I can't imagine it's been this size the whole time like has it just kind of grown every year not at all i think it was just kind of a brain bubble that the founder <laughs> darren wong had after going to another book festival the south carolina book festival which is a, no longer in existence but um so it just kind of became this harebrained idea that turned wow. into this festival where last year i'm pretty sure we had about 80 to eighty-five thousand people in attendance so definitely it's not uh it's it's not what it was 13 years ago um and uh, I think the reason is that Decatur is, is perfect. It's a very intellectually curious community. Mm-hmm. Um, the people in government positions, the city of Decatur, all of the business owners and, and entrepreneurs in Decatur, all of the schools, Agnes Scott College, um, Emory University is a big sponsor um, every year, um, the AJC, of course. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of just like the, the perfect microcosm yeah. for that type of festival. And yeah. I have been to festivals all over the Southeast and in other places, and I've never seen the audience. You know, I would go to one festival, um, which shall remain nameless, <laughs> and I was sitting in the audience just as an attendee, and when it got to the time where, you know, there's author Q&A, nobody was talking or asking questions, and the author, you know, it's horribly uncomfortable as an author to be sitting up there and be like, so yeah. in Decatur, it's like people are you know, their butts are on the edge of the seats. Yeah. Like they're ready to ask their questions. Yeah. So they're just very engaged. And I think that's yeah. what I love about live book events is that it, yeah. a- it offers that extra layer of, of understanding. Yeah. It's It makes it more, less of a monologue and more of a dialogue mm-hmm. between yeah. the, the writer and the reader. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's what, when we started this what are you reading thing, like before we started this, Tim and I used to get together and drink beers and talk <laughs> yeah. about books. Like it was always, like there was a celebration going on. And we th- I think I think we like that. It, it exists here in Atlanta, but we've also wanted to cultivate it, this sense of like, it's not something you sit alone and care about, like, yeah. In isolation, yeah. but books can be part of this, uh, can be part of our sense of community and identity. It can be part of our sense of like connecting with the stories of other people. Sometimes, I mean, you spend a lot of time alone if you're a reader, which we love to do that. <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I do love, I do love uh, what you're doing and what, what happens in Decatur and also something we're trying to cultivate here is that sense of like when a reader gets together with another reader, there's such great conversation. Mm-hmm, yeah. Definitely. Happen. And the two of you connected through your church community first. Mm-hmm. At what point did you realize that you had the books and kind of the the philosophical good... discussions and the literary oh, discussions in common? One hangout. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty quick. It was pretty yeah. quick. I'm yeah. trying to remember when, but 
we kind of I don't know how I came up, but through our conversation, we actually ended up we kind of lament like we hear about like these book. So it started with a, as like a book club. So like we'd hear about all these book clubs or, you know, and we were really not jealous, but like, man, I want to do something like that. And we yeah. just like kind of looked at each other and like, why don't we? And so we started a, a book club where we'd have people over and it was a little different. We wouldn't it turn pick, into a huge party. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. And we wouldn't we it used to, you know, instead of it being everybody reads one book and then talks about it, it was right. more we picked an author and you just read from this author, whatever oh, you wanted. Cool. Yeah. And came in and shared kind of you could either read a passage or read a short story or talk. I so mean, we do like it was very free. Yeah. Flowing. For example, we did we picked Wendell Berry for one time and then um, and then like he has short stories, he has novels, he has essays, he has poems. So everyone goes out and reads as much as they can of Wendell Berry. The goal is like at the end of the night to have have to be able to feel your way around a certain subject or author yeah. rather than to have everyone read the same piece and answer like generic questions about <laughs> it. Yes. We like let's let's go find what we can find and yeah. and come back and have a party and read it. So yeah. we did Borges too and yeah. like other really it was just a wide range of Yeah and I'm, I'm trying to remember what point it went from that to podcast. I don't remember that exact transition, mm-hmm. but there was another part where... Oh, oh, for, yeah, oh no, good. Okay. Because okay. I don't remember. So it's like, if you, listen to, <laughs> if you listen to our podcast, it's really focused on... We believe that books provide like a sort of common base for conversation, but we're really focused on like who's doing interesting community work and also who's working in or speaking for like sort of communities who don't get featured in big conversations that are going on in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, so we I, I, we both have kids, and I go over, I live in an apartment complex, so uh, Tim's driveway is like my kid's default oh. <laughs> hangout area. play place, hangout area. So I would go over all the time, and we'd, we'd sit in his driveway. And one day, we had been thinking about doing a podcast and talking about books for a long time. Um, one day, he pitched the idea to me, of like what if we just have one called what are what are you reading yeah where we get interesting people and just ask them hey what are you reading and then just let that conversation since that's what we do anyway yeah um there's like an excuse to talk about books but yeah. just record and it, it wouldn't be a one word answer with a reader either because no. it's no. like oh well, hold on let me pull out my list <laughs> yeah exactly. how many do you read at a time <laughs> right it's bad yeah. yeah yeah i said this once before i think it's so cute that people put on their profiles that cr like currently reading this one book because i've got like 12 that yeah. are open at a time and so yeah. i you know that would be a really long list for me so yeah but yeah. i go to different books i get different things out of different books yep. you yeah. know at night i want to shut my brain down so I really love fiction that will take me out of mm-hmm. thinking mm-hmm. about the day-to-day stuff and what yeah. I have coming up tomorrow. And then there are other times that I'm reading books for like just the craft of writing. This is really great. And how, how did they do that? And then there's yeah. nonfiction and history. And, you know, so I oh, yeah. I kind of go back and forth. <laughs> and I never used yeah. to be that way. I used to be a, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to start with this book and I'll read it until I'm finished and then I'll go to the next one. Mm-hmm. And I can't. Yeah. Yep. I think the only limitation for me on that is I'll read like one kind of like a kind like right now I'm reading Lydia Davis's short stories so I wouldn't read her short stories at the same time that I'd be reading another writer of flash fiction Mm. so I can have like four or six books going but they all have to be on kind of different threads because I'll get confused (laughs) my brain is so small it can't handle that. But it makes for an interesting like mega story you have. I feel and definitely when I've been putting together programming for the book festival too it all becomes like this one big book yeah all you know 200 (laughs) different books become this Mm -hmm. one big book because you just get them all mixed up yeah yeah Yeah. 
I've been, yeah, I've been doing a study on a certain, like, on, um, because I work as a pastor on one of my side jobs, and I've been doing this study on, like, pol- the relations of the Christian faith to political power throughout history and mm. all the different views on it and why, um, why it's evolved the way it has. And, but I've been reading so many books on that topic that some of the best ideas I have, I can't, I don't know if it came from, you know, <laughs> I don't know, like, which, which one it came from. Yeah. They're all sort of the same, a big... <laughs> A big cloud. So of, you just kind of mumble, said yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. As the great thinkers, I'm so sad. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's one thing that the three of us have in common is that we all kind of have these cobbled together jobs and yes. and um, podcast right. and and different mm-hmm. different interests. What? Why? Why do you like doing the What Are You Reading podcast? What is oh, it man. that you've learned in the past year from doing this? Um, I like kind of, and this is kind of a little bit going back to what Ian said. First of all, books. I, lo- I mean, mm-hmm. love talking about books, and especially if it's people that I respect and looked up to. Like anything they're reading, I'm gonna mark. I'm gonna put it on my list. Like it's, and so I, part of it's that just wanting to hear what they're reading. Part of it's also what maybe what they're doing, their particular sphere, uh, like professional work. I might want to learn more about that. Write that stuff down. But it's also like what Ian said. I love the idea of bringing people in. And learning more, maybe not just about our local community, some of that, but then just Atlanta in general, listening to to people that might be on the margins of yes. society, people maybe that are misrepresented in society, and hearing like a clear voice, clear stories from them. Yeah. Um, that's been really gratifying to me. I think that's been some of my favorite episodes to talk about because I feel like we hear, there's a lot of generalities. We kind of work, I feel like society, we kind of have to work in generality sometimes. It's like just to save time and say make things easier, but... A lot of times that ends up misrepresenting entire groups of people. And so to be able to talk to people who either within those margins or working with those margins, just, I don't know, I've I've really loved and just giving them a voice too and to let them, um, let people hear what Mm -hmm. they're doing and how they can even, if someone's maybe interested or not educated on that that, that sphere of influence, I don't know, to, to learn more, to get involved. I've really loved giving that like kind of amplifying those voices sure so. Ian, can you think kind of a, of an example of that one of the episodes or one of the guests that you've had that you felt like yeah i mean uh our most our most uh recent interview was with uh uh yamie cumbron who's uh who's a teacher at cross keys high school and we've admired her work she's an artist and also a, a good like community organizer mm-hmm. where's cross keys high school um it's right in this area it's down off of uh off of buford highway in in sort of the brookhaven okay right across the brookhaven line but uh the the student body is just incredibly diverse in terms of uh, uh people groups and uh the school has this real interesting community most of the students we work uh in my in my day job, most yeah, of the students. as a youth pastor, yes. <laughs> yeah, most of the students that I work with are, are attend there, um, and I just love it as a as a collection of resilient people who are mm-hmm. acting, who are forming community and living beautiful lives under pressures that I can't imagine. So we invited Yamie to come on, and we got to hear from her like some of the books that connected. Um, her struggle as an undocumented um, American with um, connected her story with other stories like the Holocaust and what had been done to people during that time and where she felt like there were common threads there or how her um, experience related to like LGBTQ 
people who are marginalized in different ways. And mm -hmm. so hearing her tell us that story and relate it to books that we could all, we had all like explored or could explore together mm -hmm. was really cool. I think, so for me that, that was like, that interview was like an embodiment of what we're trying to do, which is to say like, like Tim and I are are vastly different from a lot of people we're talking to and we have like our listeners are just very diverse just mm -hmm. from all walks of life and everything and we hope that that amid amid all that diversity which is kind of definitive yeah. of Atlanta right <laughs> yeah. people yes. can say hey there's some stories that if even if it's not my story I can hear these stories and listen to them and relate with them and we have book lists you know yeah. that you can read if you want to learn more um I think the idea that people can gather around a story and mm -hmm. care about stories that aren't their own, I think is just, is, is beautiful. So we have no way, and you know this too, in the podcasting world, it's really difficult to know like where it's landing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. always surprised when someone I've never met before comes up in, in tech. I had a woman come up to me at a book event and she was kind of lingering behind me in the book line yeah. and kept getting a little, inching a little closer. And I was like, hi, I'm Allison. She was like, okay, good. I thought that was you. <laughs> she was like, I was listening to your yeah. voice to make sure. And, and yeah. it was just, awesome. it's a weird phenomenon. That's yeah, awesome. Tim and I have to wear baseball hats and aviator glasses yeah. to yeah, airports yeah, now. Get I mean. The the Cha Charlie Chaplin you know yeah. mustache and, yeah. I I understand it is did, a glamorous life yeah <laughs> the fame really Allison if yeah. we're being honest that's what I'm in that's for. what we're I mean. here for yeah well so Allison you yeah. mentioned there are some books I I want to we want to make sure uh, we are talking books there's some books you read just for the beauty and craft of writing let's start there are there any books recently that have just seemed like really beautiful or well crafted or interesting that you've read lately? I had no idea you were going to ask me this question. Um, <laughs> Surprise! Uh, awesome. What are you reading? <laughs> I'm doing a segment for On Second Thought, which is a show in Georgia Public Broadcasting. Yeah. They're going to start a regular segment where they bring people in to talk about four books, and mm -hmm. particularly four books about the South or by Southern writers. Huh. That's awesome. So um, one of them, when I think about beautiful writing and, and prose, is Look Away, Look Away by Wilton Barnhart. Mm -hmm. He was at uh, the Decatur Book Festival a few years ago, and he gave a reading, and he's this very tall, very commanding gentleman with a beard and mustache, and he gave a reading in the voice of the southern kind of debutante mother <laughs> and and in the beginning we're all kind of like hmm, giggling and laughing because this very commanding male figure at a at a pulpit by the way because he was in the Decatur Presbyterian <laughs> yeah. Church was deliver was doing a reading as a woman and then he had that place shut down because he delivered this big punch it was the speech where this mother is defending her daughter and she goes from being the you know I'm this you know so social debutante woman and we're gonna do things the proper way and then just going for the jugular and that mm. I mean it was so still and that's mm. what his writing does is it lulls you into this kind of oh it's funny and kind of humorous and let's poke fun at the rich people and yeah. of North Carolina society and then he just goes for the jugular so it was Ooh. it was great it's a beautifully written book he teaches at UNC was, um, so was that recorded by any chance like did anybody capture it by I just don't curiosity. know if anybody oh. Recorded oh, yeah. it or no, not? Always, always um, curious. <laughs> but, but I mean, the, the people at GPB asked me the same thing. They want audio to go with this. Uh, 
but I don't I don't yeah. know if there's any. Hey, it no, was, it no was fantastic. It was fantastic. Usually that's the best stuff is when at the end you're like, oh, we didn't get that. Oh, it was like in the moment. It was just like this perfection, yeah. you know. <laughs> yes, it'll just it's just in my mm-hmm. in my memory. Um, <laughs> One of those you had to be there thing. Yeah, exactly. yeah, you have to. Oh, that's man. why you gotta go. I yeah. mean, otherwise yeah. you you would never know. You know, uh, I was I was thinking when I was thinking about your your podcast, and you can probably come up with better ways of describing it but um i think juicy might be a word i would use to characterize southern literature hmm. and particularly the literature of the state or like mm. humid <laughs> i don't know <laughs> sultry <laughs> yeah like... apparently moist is an offensive word so we would never use that but there's there's some sense of like um of like weight in the air when you read southern mm. southern yeah. literature for me in my experience yeah. how would you describe the kind of literature that we're contributing from from our area Ooh. well from atlanta or uh, you know from where i grew up which is chattanooga tennessee which oh, is yeah. a totally different different i mean yeah. even yeah. our outside of here it would be a completely different experience yeah. different stories yeah. to tell. so as someone who's we've interviewed a couple authors but mm-hmm. i'm not like I'm not that knowledgeable about literature that's coming out of Atlanta specifically. How would you, is there like a tone or character to our literature that's coming out of our city? I think the good thing is that it's not a single monolithic voice like we were just talking Mm. about, but it's very diverse and it's almost like a spectrum now Yeah, Yeah, where we have these singular voices that are getting elevated and out Mm. there yeah um and because atlanta itself is such a diverse group i mean there's there's so many people who are just transplants from the northeastern region Mm -hmm. period um but and also we gained you know half a million people when hurricane katrina came through so we have all of these interesting you know emigrations that have happened here so I, Mm -hmm. i don't know that there's one singular voice that speaks for the city of Atlanta. And, yeah. But I think it's a lot of different shared experiences. I think yeah. we all, and tell me if you agree or disagree, have things that we love and hate about the city. Ooh. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, agree. Yeah. Strongly yeah. agree. So uh, I think that it's it's interesting to have that those commonalities and also to be like, oh, I didn't, I didn't mm-hmm. think about that yeah Yeah, that's awesome and i think one of the things we've talked about this way before but i think one of the interesting things about literature like particularly when you're reading about your place or your is it's a way to process a complaint that you weren't aware of sometimes so i may not Hmm. be aware of the impact of my politics on people from different groups, or I may not be aware of the impact of my faith on people of different groups. In literature, there's a space to confront that and make adjustments before I've hurt, or before I've hurt, or while I'm hurting, or so that I can <laughs> repent of hurting. Um, literature gives us that when you're talking about a particular place. I think yeah. I've seen some of that, like even with like this is outside of book book world, but still well in story world. The show Atlanta. Mm. Yeah, like you think about that's a great local like a uh, masterpiece, and I think what you think about when you think about Atlanta has to change if you watch that show. Yes. It registers a complaint about the impact of certain ways of relating with different communities in our city, and I think 
literature and art that's local has that has that benefit. I have to confess, though, I haven't been as good about exploring local literature. So yeah. most of the names here, here. Actually, I have to admit, yeah, I'm, I feel bad that I need to. We're so ashamed. Well, good. I'm to. glad that I could this shame is... you publicly. <laughs> good. For... We're going to send this confession Pretending out. like yeah. you are big book lovers, and yet, no. I, I mean, I, I think the, the other piece of it is that there are people who aren't from Atlanta who come here regularly. There yeah. are three or four book events just this week featuring authors who are you know national book award winners the carter center is also very good Mm -hmm. at having you know social activists and politicians and biographers Mm. and you know so there's there's just so many different opportunities to kind of learn from people all over the place yeah yeah i agree this is now. This is a. I'm not trying to change this up to go random, but before we get to the rest of your books, yeah, I'm always intrigued to ask. So you're like your kind of trajectory, what you've been doing throughout your life, broadcast journalism, you know, English writing, editing. How at what point, like as a child or growing up, did you? I don't know if it was something you read or an author or something. Where did that you get hit and just say, "I this is what I'm going to be doing. This is yeah. this is what I love." Was there is there like a, a a definitive moment in your life, or was it just kind of like this culmination of just loving reading, or I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's kind happen? of two things, I guess. The broadcast journalism side, I can definitely pinpoint because my grandfather, who I was very close to, um, was worked for what used to be part of Turner. Mm-hmm. It's outdoor advertising, and mm-hmm. back in the day, um, as someone who's who grew up in seventies, early eighties, he mm-hmm. would have his little Casio tape recorder, and mm-hmm. he would take me out at night to go check the billboard lights and see which ones needed new bulbs (laughs) yeah and uh so we would pretend like we were doing um abc's wide world of sports and i had i was howard cosell (laughs) 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 so i've always like been you know kind of a ham and so that there's that that piece of it and there's a, a long story about how that first job started but then this the love of reading is definitely something I can attribute to my mother my mom Mm -hmm. always read and even when I couldn't read uh, I would get her to read her books aloud to me or read my books aloud Mm -hmm. to me and we still to this day read books and pass books back and forth although Mm -hmm. she doesn't normally like the stuff I like to read and vice versa (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. when I started grad school I told her I was taking a, a class on Henry James, and she said, well, I'm reading E.L. James. And I was like, oh, God, things you never want to hear a mother yeah. say. But, but, it's, um, but it's definitely something that she and I have. Oh. Like, and I just gave her a book recently and that she read, and she was like, I wasn't sure I was going to mm-hmm. like it, but I yeah. read it, and it was good. So, you know, that's, that's a win. Yeah, when I yeah. give or show my parents books, now, like, it used to be like, I really hope if they get what's good about this book, they'll get something about me. And now it's mm. more like, it's more like, I'm just like, I, you probably won't like this, but this is what I'm into now, yeah. so. <laughs> and do they read it? Yeah. My, yes. uh, oh, wow. Well, it's not very often, mm-hmm. but I gave, like, Marilyn Robinson is one of my favorite writers, and I gave my mom a copy of uh, Lila and usually when they respond to something like that they'll, they'll go oh that was interesting <laughs> <laughs> so i got some of that yeah but, and is yeah. lila her fiction or non-fiction it's a, one of her one of her fiction books so uh she does 
she sort of operates in two worlds with their like their guiding ideas, but the style is way different. So mm. I love I love her fiction because she's really like she calls herself a Christian humanist. So as an essayist, she's sort of a historian and theologian, um, and also commentator on current issues in light of those two. Um, but her books are really focused on like human dignity. Hmm. and uh, relationships that stress or reveal that um, yeah. are, are common in her themes. So you see both of those, but it's way different, the, yeah. the yeah. writing. But yeah. yeah, I've only, I listen, we listened to the audiobook of Gilead, so I'm looking for an entry <laughs> nice. point into. Yeah, Robinson. her, she had a new essay collection mm. called What Are We Doing Here? Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, I would say there are certain essays in there that changed, like profoundly changed my vocabulary about certain things like beauty i had like i would use the word beauty all the time but i didn't have a real like this is what wow. beauty means and mm -hmm. she said something like she said something like i think part of the definition of beauty is that it both commands and rewards our attention mm. and i was thinking about that definition and now when i say a book's beautiful that's part of what i mean about oh, wow. it is that like there's <sighs> something that it demands your attention and that it rewards the attention that you give it. So there, Ooh, there yeah. are worth your time. That's, That's awesome. good. Yeah, there are things like that in all of her, mm -hmm. in all of her work. But yeah. I'm always like, when I don't know if it's like this. We we all read a ton of books. When you read books, do you still feel like they change you after being in that world for so long? Hmm. Oh yeah, that's a good. I feel like <laughs> some like either. It doesn't, and I kind of forget about it, or like it, it. I can't stop thinking about that book. So I think it, yes, but it's not. But like, it's not common. And I, if it yeah. does, I know it hmm. immediately. Can you know. remember the last time you felt that way when you <laughs> finished? You're like, <laughs> it's a matter of fact. Um, I, you know, let me <laughs> look at one second. I look promise at my, this will be fast. No, this is what I have to do too. I have to look at. I keep up with everything on Goodreads now. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, we do too. And and part of it. A friend of mine asked me just the other week, like, when do you read for pleasure? <laughs> and I I do a lot of reading for, for work, yeah. you mm -hmm. know, to prepare for interviews or because I'm helping to publicize a book or I'm choosing a book for something. But I, I never think of it as not pleasurable unless it's a book I don't like. Yeah. yeah. But at this point, too, in my life, I've, I have begun to abandon books. Mm -hmm. I'll give it 100 pages, but... Oh wow! I need to start doing that. I haven't gotten there yet. I yeah, can't. I no. Either. But I, 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 I <laughs> if there's certain short. books, I will. That's what I'm hit. That's what I'm hitting because I'll read certain books. And I'm like, I just know I. But I'm like, ah, but I, I'm like kind of a completist. I've just, I got to barrel through it. And but yeah, I'm, I, I think eventually I need to get to that point where, I just cut it off after, after a while. Yeah. But so I do have one. All right. <laughs> so won. on the total there's, opposite of that, yeah. There's, yeah. There's quite a few. Okay. But I wanted I, the reason I was looking through is I wanted to think of the most recent one, um, and that would be I finally read. Uh, this is graphic novel, but the Mouse series one and two. It's a book. Uh, it's a a man who's writing about his father who endured the you know who was in concentration camps in the Holocaust, and it's two graphic novels. And just seeing his experience, but then also kind of reflecting on present day and how it's changed him and the guilt that kind of survivor's guilt mm. that came because he survived. You know, he watched so many people, so many friends, family die. And see, he lived through it. He was one of the few. And um, it was just a, in so many levels, it was a moving story anyways, because it's about this one man's fight for survival, trying to keep his family together. But then also, you know, the kind of pairing, like, 
it's also the first person perspective of the son who's writing it. it's almost he's almost writing it in the graphic novel as well he's talking about working on this book about his father and seeing like that experience of hearing the stories from his father and how his his father's life you know his basically his father's life and seeing how there's it's kind of changed his personality his that guilt and he's a different person because of that and I'll leave it at I'm I'm intentionally staying vague because it's beautiful and it's powerful but huh. that one I it just yeah it really raw I mean it just was very beautiful but it's weird saying that something <laughs> like that's beautiful beautiful <laughs> devastating yeah heartbreaking um but that's, that's, that's a, a recent totally one, at least. my alley. I, and I didn't get into graphic novels until I was in school and studied Fun Home by Alison oh, Bechdel. I read that this past year. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> and to, yeah, I mean, to get super nerdy on you, no. mm-hmm. you can break it down narratologically and you have the words, like what's presented to you as words in the thought bubbles mm-hmm. and as the little captions at the bottom of mm-hmm. the the square comic squares mm-hmm. strips um again that's not this is not my strength but then there's um what's happening in the pictures and then the third narratological stream is what you're the the dissonance between the two mm-hmm. so she can be talking about how she and her father or her family are having a great time and then you see them like yeah. totally <laughs> frowny face and like just tolerating yeah. each other so there are three different mm-hmm. things that are happening there it's just brilliant i am yeah. i'm so impressed and want to read other graphic novels after mm-hmm. after that so yeah i just started in the last few years my first one was watchmen that i read oh, but, yeah. but was blown away and so after that i was like i'm still really selective but yeah fun home mouse there's so many that are just it's just a a, a different side of storytelling mm-hmm. i don't know it's just a different way of and getting stories the, and it's beautiful it's yeah the continuation of the john lewis graphic novel <gasps> series well, coming out so oh wait they're they're doing beyond the that. first three March trilogy. They're going back, and and uh, I, I don't want to misspeak. I can't remember <laughs> if it's before, like further back into his history, or further, mm-hmm. or I think it's a continuation of the story, not a yeah. prequel. But yeah. he was a big hit at uh, Book Expo in New York. I'd like to pull pull it into our podcast for just a second yeah. and uh, ask this kind of final question today: mm-hmm. um, Is if if someone is a loyal listener to each of our podcasts, what do you hope they would say they gain from listening to it? Let's meditate on that for a moment. We have time. I mean, I can tell you very quickly that the times when people, I see people at events and they tell me or they tell the bookseller or they tell the author that they're here because they heard about it on Literary Atlanta, that's like, the best dessert in the world. It's like, I'm so glad, you know, or um, just making the listener feel respected and like Mm. they're hanging out with me for a little bit and learning a little bit about an author and their writing that they wouldn't have heard or or known about before or um, feeling like they have a community Mm. of people who are listening and who are interested in the same things. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big, you know, we all like that word here, yeah. community. community yeah. <laughs> that's a key word. I guess for me personally, I, I, as much as I want people, you know, to, to enjoy, you know, the community, the books and everything, I think one of the things that I love about books is the ability to kind of open your mind to other ideas without like actually, you're not making any commitments or declarative statements by reading and exploring ideas. And so that idea of being able to kind of safely 
explore other perspectives, other cultures, other, you name it. And um, to kind of, kind of use books to kind of grapple with, with ideas that maybe you've never thought of before, new topics. Um, I, I would like to think that maybe even if someone came out at the end, not necessarily agreeing with everything or that's totally fine, but just maybe coming out saying, Hey, you've introduced some new ideas, new ways of thinking, new, um, new ideas to explore. Um, I really like that a lot. I think that would be an ideal of mine maybe. Yeah. I mean, community and neighbor are maybe interchangeable, but I, I do feel like for us, if people hear the podcast and I think, um, all of us sort of share this vision too, is like if they listened to the podcast and said, I didn't know this was how my neighbors were experiencing mm. the world. That's what mm. that's what I'd love for them to Yeah. For them. And and yeah. you can find that through books or for, through hearing stories. We use books as like books are sort of just the anchor for that whole conversation about what yeah. what like what is our neighborhood like? What yeah. are our neighbors like? What how are they experiencing these things? So mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> Allison, that note. <laughs> Ian, Tim. Tim. <laughs> Thank you so much for this conversation. Oh, We're not sure who's yeah. interviewing who here. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of just like a, a, a free-for-all yeah. questioning and getting to know each it. other. And it's been yeah. such a pleasure to spend the oh. afternoon with you both. Likewise, so, we have been. Thanks for having us on your podcast. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you for taking over Literary Atlanta. Yeah. For all it's of you good. who listened because of me, tough. <laughs> it's, it's over. <laughs> no, we've been. This has been something we've been really excited about. Yeah. Just following along with your podcast, yeah. Twitter, just kind of keeping up with you, and just finally that moment where we're getting to meet. And I don't know. It's been. I know, and you have so you have. I know at least one exciting guest that I can't wait to hear on. What are you oh, reading yes. coming up? So, <laughs> yeah. so definitely stay tuned, everyone. <laughs> yeah, we want to. All of us would like to extend a hearty thanks to Atlanta Vintage Books. Yeah. Just they've created such a cool space for having these kind of conversations, for mm-hmm. uh, gathering over books with other people who love books. So, uh, stop by Atlanta Vintage Books. If you're a listener of uh, the What Are You Reading podcast or the Literary Atlanta podcast, and you come in and say, I came in because I heard this podcast, I heard Literary Atlanta, or I heard um, What Are You Reading, uh, they'll give you a little 10% discount on your yeah. final and checkout. We so. have to say the new tagline, right? Which is, come for the cats, stay, stay for, for the, the books. books. So. <laughs> That's right. Because <laughs> they do have some sweet kitties here. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's, and they'll pop up at the most random moments, too. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> but, it's very but, cat-like. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but also, you know, we would love to, to hear from you if you want to follow us. Actually, I would say first, if you want to go to, you know, whatareyoureadingpodcast.com. And there it's kind of our hub where you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and just kind of follow along and communicate with us. That's the one thing I'm, I'm trying to be better at doing more, but just getting that kind of a uh, listener interaction. We, we love hearing from you and what you're reading, what's, what's on your mind at the moment. And also of course, iTunes, we would love to, to have you rate us there, yeah. review us. It always means a lot. Yeah. What do I, uh, Allison, what about you? How can people find Literary Atlanta? How can they get in touch with you? Go to literaryatlanta.com and then all of the places that you mentioned, mm-hmm. kind of the podcast hubs of the world, Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. um, Stitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, so tune in, radio. So that's awesome. we're, we're all there at Literary Atlanta. Awesome. Thank you again for joining. This is Thank you. This is fun. Ah, and as always, we'll wrap it up with a book quote. This is from Hannah Arendt. Meaning. Storytelling reveals meaning without committing the error of defining it. Thanks for listening.